Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Chicks on Top. It is Pride Month, and we are here with Terry Dornack. She is a PsyD. She has a mental health practice in Chicago and in Florida. She runs the podcast Hello Wonderful, and she is a big LGBTQ activist. Welcome to the show. Hello, people. I haven't been hoarse all day, so my voice is going to go from up, down, sideways. It'll flip. <laughs> but I'll have a voice. I have tea in my hand. I have cough drops. Excellent. Excellent. We I might cough up a loogie. It's okay. That's fine. We we <laughs> it in or edit it out depending on how it goes with the show. Well, I was saying that to the audience, just you know, provide yeah. some some flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you on. So I want to start. So you have this podcast, Hello Wonderful, and I yes. love the approach to it because it's all about getting people's stories out. Um, yes. And there's various storied podcasts, but a lot of them are very formal storytelling. Yours yes. is more people telling their story. So why is this important? Why yes. do you do this? Let me see. Well, I guess one, I love stories. I, I definitely think that that by hearing people's stories, by hearing stories in general, you really get the all, like you really hear what's going on with people. You, when you just, just get facts, you really don't get the in-between. Like you're really not getting like what's going on. You're missing what's going on. Like when you're just getting facts and people like, let's just say politics, hello, Florida. Um, when you're just getting <laughs> facts, <laughs> I know I couldn't help it when you're. No, just we kidding. have a running fuck Ron DeSantis on this. Yeah, show, so, yeah. Welcome. So we're just like I. I will keep plugging the um the the shit show of Florida. Like I will do that wherever I'm at. But anyway, so when you're just getting like, we'll we'll do quote unquote facts too. Mm-hmm. That um you're not really getting what's actually going on, and so storytelling. Storytelling connects the dots and it also connects you emotionally to whoever is telling the story. And when you're, again, when you're getting facts, you're not connecting emotionally. You're really not. Um, And so I love storytelling. And so I'm going to kind of go backwards a bit. I, I have a bachelor's degree in literature because I, I connected to the writers. I connected to the story. And I've always read, like, I, I've always read a book, like at least a book a week, if not a book a day. I, uh, I have thousands of books in my Kindle. I had to switch to Kindle because I ran out of space in my home. <laughs> I had to donate the actual books. And I felt bad for killing trees. So, um, so Kindle it was. And so I, I just, I love the idea of just hearing stories. And so then, you know, when I became a psychologist, I eventually actually discovered narrative therapy and narrative therapy, for those who don't know, it is actually using storytelling to understand your story, to actually understand and process your life, to understand the problem. You actually externalize the problem outside of yourself so that you're actually not thinking that you are the problem. And there's many different ways of externalizing, there are many different ways of doing narrative therapy, but that's basically the essence of it is actually telling your story. And so that you actually understand 
like your trauma better. You understand your anxiety better. You understand your depression better. And I, I fell in love with it. Like I trained people in narrative therapy. I just fell in love with it. And I'm like, oh, I can connect like storytelling with psychology. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world. And so, <laughs> so that was before I, I decided to do the podcast. And then, so then I, you know, I end up, you know, I, I, I've, I've been an activist for the queer community, the LGBT plus community for a while now, because that, that happened with the, the practice, of course, but then I was doing the practice and it just it wasn't enough for me. It just wasn't. I, I like, I, I felt like I was doing more in a, on a more of a micro level, I guess. Um, when it came to social justice and whatnot, and I want to do more macro level. And so I decided to do the, the podcast because I could get out there on a macro level. And then I was like, so what I was going to do, how am I going to do this? And so I decided that, well, what if I have people come on and tell the stories? And I was like, but I didn't want to do just coming out. Everyone was doing coming out stories. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's nice. But the problem with coming out stories is that it, I feel like it still brings so much attention to the idea of what, what the non-queer, the non-queer community idea is of what, let me see if I can bring this, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, a mind fuck. Okay. okay. It, <laughs> it brings too much attention to what the non-queer community thinks is queer. Yeah. Like they don't really know what queer is. That makes sense, folks. Well, like they really sense. don't. Well, and for, for folks who aren't queer, they think that coming out is a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And it's only once that you come out as gay. But, you know, for those of us in the queer community, one, you have to come out constantly. And it is an ongoing, lifelong decision. Right. And it, it it happens in different ways until you come out about a lot of different things. You come about mm-hmm. having mental illness or, you know, having trauma or whatever. So there's so much that goes to it. So focusing on that first time you told somebody important is becomes pretty small in a lifetime of being gay. Exactly. And that there are more struggles in one's life than coming out. Yeah. That there, there's more struggles in one's story than coming out. Coming out is not, not always the, the big fish, Mm -hmm. right? It's not always that big challenge. Like it is a big challenge, but it might not always be the biggest one. And some people, everybody else around was waiting for it because they knew long before the person was ready to tell them. Like, so for some people, it's a a non-event. Or if you're in, if you grow up in a queer family or family where there's a lot of queers, sometimes it's it's really just an acknowledgement and you move on. Right. Yeah. Right. And so... So by having people tell their stories, we hear more, we hear more about what, what queer and LGBT plus is, what, what this life looks like, what we look like, you know, we start breaking down walls, we start, we start chiseling away and we give the, the cishet community an idea of what our communities look like. And then within the queer community, we help them as well because there are so many walls within the community that people have put up because there is definitely stereotypes in there too. And there's judgment in there too. Like we, we've got some problems in our community. Yeah. <laughs> that That's putting it lightly. Yeah. That's putting it lightly. <laughs> and I discussed that too. Yeah. I discussed that as well. We, I, we cover all sorts of things in there. Like, we hit on everyone. We hit on everyone. We do. And we will continue to hit on everyone because, because the community is not excused. No, no. 
the community is not excused for for their behavior because there are definitely walls um, that have been put up because there's some dislike and judgment going on, you know, between communities, identities and such. And, you know, and there are reasons, there's history. But the thing is, is that it causes problems. But when there's walls in the community, it causes problems for us outside of the community. It's like giving them a reason. It's giving them a reason. And, and I think that, you know, that that's something else we very strongly need to work on. And, and the thing about my podcast and, and is that <laughs> I don't really have any filters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much people have listened to it, but we, I don't really have any filters in my podcast. We're very sex positive, but I'm also like, we're definitely not for kids. But but I have no filters <laughs> whatsoever. It's a good podcast. Right? It is a really good podcast. It is a very good podcast. But um, I work like that as a psychologist too. I don't have a lot of filters. I'm pretty upfront. <laughs> <laughs> I call it how it is. And I think that that's what needs to be done by a lot of things. And as an activist, you have to call it how it is, folks. Gotta call it how it is. You do. And as an activist, I've always been frustrated with the the side of our community that wants to make us presentable and acceptable. Right. Because we shouldn't have to be acceptable to your average heterosexual in the middle of America to have our fucking rights respected. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you started out with literature and going into <laughs> to literature. What stories were your big stories growing up? Who, what really influenced you and drew you into the literary world? Oh, the Three Musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> and why is that? Um. Well, I wanted to be like D'Artagnan. Like I wanted to fight. I obviously that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Actually, now that I think about it, that was a really great question. I was like, I never really noticed that before <laughs> huh <laughs> so then the next obvious question is have you gone as d'artagnan for halloween no but you know what <laughs> i think we just I should do costume. that i should yes. do that i should do that this year <laughs> that'd be a great that would be a really great halloween card yeah, swashbuckling d'artagnan lesbian that's just right there uh, <laughs> I should do that I should really do that that would be really great but yeah I mean I I did like I wanted to be I wanted to be D'Artagnan like I I wanted to go and I wanted to fight for people and I it was funny like that was one of my that was wasn't my first book but probably one of my my biggest like like motivational books um was that one was definitely that one and books like that in that kind of that that category was was D'Artagnan was was the three musketeers and you know oh my gosh and um and oh my like I, I anything related to like like being the hero and it was always being the male hero not that I didn't like I did like Jane Austen I had like that side of me like I I liked like you know that side of me of being like, you know, in that era, but it was also like, but I would read it and I'd be, I'd be like, why didn't you stand up? Why didn't you say anything? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, Mr. Darcy's an a-hole. <laughs> like, like, I, and I still will watch the movie. It was like, this is sweet and all, but you're an asshole, Mr. Darcy. Like, never, you have problems. <laughs> I never understood why they fell for him. Like, so many people, oh, Mr. Dart, no, he's a dick. He's a dick. <laughs> he's a dick. I will watch it because I love Kara Knightley. Uh -huh. But Mr. Darcy is an asshole. Mr. Darcy's an asshole. He's an asshole. Like, he's got problems with the key. He gets stuck. He gets, he gets stuck on himself. Not that her character doesn't have flaws, but... Right. He gets stuck on himself. But yeah, I always wanted to be the hero. And I loved, like, in Indiana Jones. Oh my gosh, Indiana Jones. Like, I loved watching Indiana Jones. I wanted to, like, come be the hero. Although, there, there is a movie where it involved monkey brains. And 
I wasn't yeah. a fan of that scene. <laughs> no, no. And it's, it's real racist overtones throughout that whole. Yes. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of them. A lot of problematic. Actions. Lots of problems with that. I just wanted to be the, <laughs> the, the, just, the hero. I just wanted to be the hero. <laughs> so was that drive to be the hero? What brought you into activism? I think so. And yeah. be a psychologist. I wanted to like help people and save people and like, and, and be a healer before I w- went into psychology. I was pre-med and, you know, I always wanted to like help people and right. it's like, it's interesting. And, and the thing about being a hero is it's always flawed. Like you can't help everyone. And I'm flawed as well. I'm very flawed. I admit my flaws on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like if anyone listens, like I've always admit my flaws. I have really bad ADHD. Um, just FYI people. I'm like some of the worst ADHD, but I, I try to utilize so many coping skills, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I always, I always wanted to help people. I always wanted How to help people you- in some way. So how did you transition from pre-med into a PsyD program? Because that's not necessarily a transition too many folks make. Usually when no. you get pre-med, you either burn out and totally go different, you know, you go major creative or whatever, or you just suck it up. You go major mess. creative. Well, I am creative, uh-huh. but that's not how I went. Um, <laughs> so yeah, how did you make that? Tra- what what led to that um, decision to go, go PsyD instead of med school? When I hated chemistry, chemistry is the worst thing ever. It's a devil. <laughs> I hate chemistry. I hate chemistry. I actually did two things. One, I really liked my psychology professor that I had. Um, I actually took psychology of gender. Interesting enough, that was a huge turn for me. That was one of the first, like, that was, I think, the first time that it had been offered at University of Houston, which was my alma mater. Um, so psychology, gender was a big deal, which is, you know, not a surprise where I ended up now, but um, talk about a turn. And then I also volunteered at a crisis hotline, which I heard like kind of like through the years, I've noticed a lot of people actually do that. They, you know, they volunteer, they do something like crisis hotline and people who are like, they have this empathic personality. They kind of take that turn towards going into mental health. And, you know, I liked doing it. I worked Friday nights and, you know, I think Friday nights and Saturday mornings, I turn around and work Saturday morning with that. Who likes doing that? <laughs> Like I liked it and, you know, I liked it in this weird, like kind of way. I like mm-hmm. doing it. I got something from it and, um, yeah. And so I realized, you know, I needed to change what I was doing, but I kept literature as a major and I wasn't going to give that up. And there you go. That's, that's my journey so far. What was it about the the psychology of gender that was the turning point to you? What did that class bring up that made you go was the light bulb moment or whatever I think the light bulb about that class was that this professor is showing me things that like I kind of already started to notice but it's showing me things about like you know it's in Texas right so it's showing me things about people about how what society is doing that one society's like for instance like things that society does is like not okay and also how society like people within society reacts that that is because of society um so that's one thing and that people don't have to react that way right so so those are some things like basically like like some things are trainable like some things are due to society like what people believe they should be doing not what people want to do, for instance. Yeah. yeah, the difference between the shoulds and the wants are enormous. Yeah, the shoulds and the wants. And that was a big part of what, what we went through. Mm-hmm. It's like what society, the influence of society, the influence of society, what, what's the, the, the impact of society, 
was a really big, was a really big talk in that class. And, you know, um, what, what might be like, what nature versus nurture was a huge deal. And, and, you know, at the time, like I already knew, like I I'm bisexual. And at the time I already knew I was bisexual. Like I'm, I knew very early on. I knew in the locker room Mm -hmm. I was younger. And like, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely, I always say I'm more into women than I am into men, but I'm definitely bisexual. Like, but, but, but at that time, like, you know, I was like, um, I, I wanted to take this course because, you know, I, I, I wanted, I I think I was looking for explanations. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be proven right. I think about certain things. Like I, I was in this, this, I feel like civilization, Texas is civilization. (laughs) I was in Texas and I wanted to, to be told that like Texas was fucked up (laughs) 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 or something. And, you know, it was such a, it was such a great class. And, you know, I went from University of Houston to, you know, the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. And of course I took more classes and eventually specialized in, in working with the court community as I continued with training. But, but that was like the beginning. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of like allowing myself to really look at like, at differences to really look at how people are and how people develop and to really look at what society does. And because before that, you know, you, you can open your mind, but you are so influenced by society that it can cause us to have some problems. We're so influenced by society that, you know, we run into stop signs, right? We, we run into stop signs. We run into the media. We run into people around us who are telling us this or that. We run into our family who are telling us this or that. Like when I say Texas, I mean, Texas has a lot of stop signs, mm-hmm. you know, and it it's really hard in Texas or Florida or in a conservative community when you're looking for answers and you can't and it's hard to find them. Like you can find them on the internet, but then let's say you find the answer and you go to talk to someone about it and they can't, they don't talk to you or they give you a different answer. There's your stop sign in Florida. Now there's even more stop signs because people can't even talk to people at school about it. And it's really hard in Florida. If you have a conservative parent, you definitely can't talk to your parents about it. And in Florida, I'm always hating on Florida. Oh, and with good cause. With good reason, good reason. But people don't know about Florida's, um, in Florida, and, and I'm sure there's other states like this, but very specifically, I know this because I had to take a test with my license in Florida for the stats, the the law, the the psychology law in Florida, is that it for for minors in Florida, they don't have their confidentiality rights. In Illinois, you do. But in Florida, you don't. So, so the the parents of a minor um, can get all access to whatever's going on um, in the therapy. In Illinois, they can't. In fact, in most states, that you can't. But in Florida, they can. So it makes it really difficult for a minor to talk to a therapist. And not just that, see, in Illinois, you can, I think you can go to a therapist up to five times without parental consent. I don't know how it is in other states, but in Illinois, you can. In Florida, you guys think you have, I think, I could be, I, I'm trying to remember, I think you go to like a crisis appointment, parent has to be called immediately, and then um, they still have access to everything. So think about the consequences of that. That's a huge, that's a huge issue. So there is no, there's no privacy. There's no privilege. There's no, there's not even like, I mean, the therapist can try to assert privilege, like that privacy bit, 
But parents would be like, no. In fact, a lot of parents would be like, no. There are some. They'll be like, no, I want my my child to have privacy. There are quite a few that will be like that. But a lot of parents will be no. I want to talk about Florida for a bit, too, because, well, they're not the only one. We have like 36 states making anti-gay. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm just picking on Florida, but there's a lot. There's anti-trans. There's Mm -hmm. trans athlete laws. There's school laws. There's... um, Obviously, there's abortion laws, but there's so many problematic laws. Florida and Texas, I feel like are leaders in this, but like there's so yeah. many. Um, but once it started, it caused this blow. Yep. And I think it really is important. Like you said, it's important for people to know it is not just them. It yeah. is a lot of states now. And um, it's really important for people to stay on top. There's a lot of, um, there are newspapers. I mean, there's mm-hmm. like online news things that you can read so that you can stay on top of them so that, you know, like, um, what is it? Advocate. You can read yeah. advocate and like, you know that, like, I follow them, follow them in pink news, which is like <laughs> across the pond. Like you can follow, you can follow them and you know that like what's going on, but it is really important to know that it's not just Florida. Yeah. And I want to talk because with your background and with your expertise, Florida is really aggressive in passing a lot of laws around not being able to talk about, you know, LGBTQ plus stuff in schools. There's questions whether or not gay teachers could even have a picture of their spouse in their office, all of that. Um, And they're really working to make it unsafe for kids to be gay. So, that doesn't stop people from coming out as queer. Like we've been here for a billion years and we're still going to be here for a billion more, but it doesn't stop. So what does that do to the kids as you're, when you have no safe space to talk about this and you have no information? Right. And I actually, this is actually on one of my episodes because I was like, I think I got fed up. I think that was the, that might've been the gay 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 one because I think that's why everyone's listening to it because I think I just had it. I think it was up late at night and I think I was just like marinating on the law and I was just like worried about the kids. And, and then the next day, um, it was like the day of the podcast and I think I was applying my eyebrows, but I have no eyebrows. (laughs) <laughs> and I called Julie up and I was like, we have to talk about the Florida law and the children. So yes, <laughs> the kids. Um, so the thing about not having safe space, is actually really, it's really problematic because for multiple reasons. So let's say the children are gay. So it's not like they're going to stop being gay. But if they don't have safe space at school, they can't go to a therapist, right? Or like they have problems going to a therapist and like, and they can't really talk to someone at school. Because a lot of times what, what, what has happened in the past, if they can't see a therapist at home, they would see a therapist at school um, or vice versa. But now, now what's happening is they might be trapped, right? And so they might have the option of talking online. Some of these kids might not because they might not have access online. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, they're still going to be really limited. Either way, they're going to be really limited because nothing is going to be the same as having access to a therapist or a mentor. Mm-hmm. And so I believe we're going to have, and this is a concern for a lot of therapists in the mental health field and APA is, there's going to be an increase in mental health issues for kids and teens. And um, as well as the gay, the LGBT plus population as a whole, not just the kids and teens, because I think as a whole, there's a lot of concern because even outside of Florida, a lot of people are coming into therapy with concerns about what is coming up, what is coming into the future. Like people are actually getting very concerned like people are coming in what's happening like are we going to have civil war (laughs) like I mean there's just a lot of anxiety um like what's happening what is going to happen to Illinois what's happening to other states like and and which is exactly what's happening is this happened in Florida so now other states are happening because if something can pass somewhere it can pass somewhere else and 
just as like the opposite had happened when when people gained gay like gay rights, that was a big deal, right? So well, when we start losing our rights, we start losing our rights. And that's a really freaking big deal. And so now we're we're in this point where we need to fight for our rights. And that's something that is very scary for a lot of people. And so a lot of people, a lot of people, not just in Florida, are having anxiety about this. And that is why it's so important. And I'm going to go back to the Florida situation. That's the ADHD issue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a little tangent, um, which is why it's so important for everyone to be doing something Mm -hmm. to be involved in activism of some sort, even if it's online, on Instagram, on Twitter, if there's a march, if there's anything, there's so many different ways to be involved and active with them. But going back to Florida, um, <laughs> the, the children, you know, there is, there's an increase in mental health. There's a concern about increased suicidality. There's a concern about increased substance abuse for teens. Um, there's all these concerns because, I mean, even before this, there is a correlation between the LGBT plus community and substance use. Well, and so, queer kids and suicide. I mean, and we, queer kids and suicide. We are so much more likely to try and kill ourselves or kill ourselves than straight kids. And there is a very strong correlation between having one supportive fucking adult in a life of a, te- a queer kid and then making it to adulthood. So this cuts off that lifeline for so exactly. many kids. Exactly. And sometimes that, that queer support could have been a teacher mm-hmm. or a coach or a school counselor. And now look what's happening. Like they're losing that possible support system. Yeah. And, and that's really scary. Yeah. And that's really scary because now, and I haven't gotten to the therapist, but right. Um, <laughs> and because I, there's a therapist, but like, I haven't gotten to, because Texas causes a whole different situation. Cause there's a scary part regarding Texas, but like on, but for, but for Florida, like there's this whole issue of like, you know, because if, if any of those people go against the law, they get in trouble. Yep. So on Texas, if those people go against the law for Texas, for the, for the trans kids, mm-hmm. right. With the um, CPS CPS, I think in Texas, I was like, it's DCFS in Illinois. So CPS in Texas. And if the, um, if the therapist helped them, then they get in trouble, which is interesting because according to APA, they have to help them. So ethically they have to help them and legally they'll get in trouble. And that, that happens actually in a lot of areas too, because there's increasing laws against uh, gender affirmation uh, work for for minors, and now Florida is even ex- exploring it for adults, is you can deny puberty blockers and such, even though they've been proven safe and all of that. And again, that leads to increased mental health issues, increased suicidality. Um, basically, these laws are, are, are pro-killing kids is how I see them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely not for helping kids, and they're not, they're not pro their health care. Um, and it's, it's a really big concern. It's a huge concern. It's, and I'm, I'm very worried about what's going to happen in the upcoming years if something's not done. Yeah. Well, and trauma that happens in those, those teen years carries, it's not like you can have shitty high school years and then at 19, you're a healthy adult. And then there's something else that's going to happen. So we're just talking about the queer community, right? Right. So let's go to the non-queer community for a second, okay? So let's let's switch gears. So let's say, so we're telling them that they can't get support, right? But then we're also telling the non-queer community that saying gay is wrong, okay? And they're kids, right? So saying gay is wrong. Talking about being gay is wrong and they're kids, right? These kids are growing up, right? They're growing up. 
you're growing up being gay is wrong. Saying, saying gay is wrong, but saying gay is definitely, it's going to translate into being gay is wrong. These kids are growing up. These people are growing up and they're going to be voters. Yep. They're going to be voters. They're growing up. They're going to be voters. We're also teaching them being, be, that it's wrong. And they're likely, they're likely capable. Some of them are capable of bullying. So bullying likely will happen. Because we're teaching them that being gay is wrong. Some of these kids are gay. So that is a possibility. Okay. So we're likely going to have people like some kids hating on other kids for being gay, because it's not like they're going to say, not say they're gay. I'm sure it's going to come out. So that's going to happen. So we're going to have kids hating on kids and then they're going to grow up and adults hating on adults. And then they're going to grow up. And there's no telling what's going to happen when these kids grow up into adults. And I have this view of the 1950s happening, you know, and, and I I said this on that podcast Mm -hmm. that like, that, that this is what Florida is creating. They're creating a reenaction with the queer community of like almost a segregation within the cishet in the queer community Mm -hmm. and that like you are supposed to hate them and they are the undesirables Mm -hmm. because you're but you're starting with the little ones and then they're growing up and that's terrible it is well and it's not like we went away in the 50s we were there heterosexuals just didn't realize we were there right I mean, exactly. Always been there. But now, like, but, but the difference is they've decided to mess with them, like, yeah. and, and teach them something yeah. that is horrible. And, and the thing is, is like, and kids can be taught. Mm-hmm. Kids can be taught. And, and by setting up a framework, a structure for this, like that, something else that is likely going to result from this. And that's scary. And it takes that's a scary to- thing. Decades to unlearn that shit. I mean, yes, you and I grew We've up. We've grown from that. Yes, I mean, you and I grew up where they weren't doing LGBTQ discussion in school. No, right? right? And unlearning that and getting comfortable in your own skin takes a long fucking time. I was scared. A- like it took yes. me so long to be comfortable. Like I was so scared in my hometown. Like, and now I go home, like it took me forever to be comfortable going home, like actually being out in my hometown and now it's happening. And now I'm like afraid to go to act like now I'm like, obviously I'm, I'm on the podcast and people in my hometown listen, like have heard it. And I'm like, if I I have to go home, see my dad who has dementia, like dementia has Alzheimer's and I'm going to be like, Oh, no one shoots me. (laughs) Like, which is a real thing. It's like, I'm going to be like going to my hometown with like a hood over my head. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like, seriously. Like, cause it's in, it's in South Texas. It's like, it's a serious, scary thing. Mm-hmm. Like what, what are you like, what are we supposed to think about what's going to happen? Well, you know, and in Texas where you can have more guns than dildos legally, which is exactly ridiculous. <laughs> they probably have the dildos next to the guns. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> no, Texas. I love the fact that that the Scandinavian uh, countries now use Texas as slang for crazy. Oh, you so Texas. Oh, do they really? <laughs> <laughs> Which I find are really yes, appropriate. Are. Really appropriate. Yes, they are. I'm okay with that. I accept that. Yeah. I accept this this <laughs> new slang term. I'm very, very for this because they are, they are crazy. Yeah. yeah. They're uh, really crazy. So I, you talk about going online for resources and because you are a therapist in two States, this brings up a question for me is can a kid in Florida do telemedicine with you in Chicago and have the Illinois rights around privacy apply? Or do you have to go by Texas or by Florida rules? Florida rules. It's whatever, whatever license they're under. Okay. So, um, yeah. Because you're licensed in Florida to practice. Okay. Yeah. So, so I actually have 
No, it's not overground. So I actually have, um, I have multiple therapists and, Mm -hmm. um, any state that they're actually working under Mm -hmm. that state rules. And I actually have what's called a CIPAC. The CIPAC is like, I think there's 25 states that it's Mm -hmm. under. And it's something that they did like this agreement on for a psychologist. And so it allows me to work, um, virtually and those states kind of like a, it's a license of sorts, but without me having to take the, like actually fill out the paperwork. Um, and doing so, the different exams and all of that. And do the different exams. Florida did not want to include it. So, of course not. Um, so I had to do something different and I probably would have had to anyways, cause I own a practice there, mm-hmm. but any who's it's um, the site pact, I believe works the same way. Mm-hmm. Any state that you're in, you have to follow the law in that state. Okay. So it, it's not the state that the therapist is in. It's the state that the client Patients is in. And- right. Yeah. I think that that's basically how it is. I wish there was a way to work around it. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically what it is. So frustrating. It is very frustrating. It's really sad because that is really, the Florida thing is really horrible for the clients and um, for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I got very aggravated. Like when I found out that that was a law, and I was taking the, the statutes test, I, I paused, I put it down and I actually like, we have a Slack messenger system uh-huh. and I messaged the therapist like, can you believe what Florida does? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was so up. irritated. I was like, oh my gosh, they're terrible. I yeah. was like, I, and, and they actually responded back. I was like, that's terrible. Those poor kids. And that was before. The thing about don't forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, you everybody should have some level of privacy. It's not like the kids in my life aren't in therapy, but you know, I don't get you know, I don't need a report from their therapist or whatever. Like that's what they're there to process for. You know, you get to go and have your own private time. There's something important for kids to have that space to work it out without having to, you know talk to their parents or whatever because sometimes yeah you family relations are complicated in the first place and even with a supportive parent you may not want to mention it no exactly i mean you just need a privacy like you mm-hmm. you you don't you don't want a parent trying to you, you don't want the biased parent you don't want people to say like oh well i'm on your side but then you don't like sometimes what will happen if you like oh, well, you're completely right. That parent was completely wrong because you don't want them to like say anything negative about the other parents sometimes, or maybe, or maybe you don't mind it, but you also just don't want the parents to get involved. Like, um, and you want a non-biased party. Like that's what the therapist is, is a non-biased party. Mm -hmm. Um, the, like the, they're just on, like, as far as being on sides are just for you, they're on your side. Like I always, like whenever I, I see clients, I always tell them I'm only on your side. I really mm-hmm. don't fuck what anyone else says. I am just on your side. Like, it really doesn't matter. Like I'll say like, well, you know, this, this person might feel this way, but to be quite honest, I really don't care. Like, I just care how you feel like, you know, we can do like, we can have, we can ha- put you in family therapy and that might help. But do you, you really want to do that? Because it's really up to you. Like, I I don't care I play. <laughs> like, it's really up to you. Yeah. And I always say that. It's up to you. How do you feel about it? <laughs> um, yeah, because, you know, because family can push. They are very mm-hmm. pushy. Family is very pushy because they, a lot of times, no matter how they love the client, there's always their side. Yeah. We can't help it. We we're, we're selfish people. Like no matter what we cannot help, but want to be like to self-preserve, like we can't help it. We can't help it. It's, it's, we, I think that there is such a thing as being altruistic, but in most senses, uh, like in most, most instances, I apparently I can't talk in most instances, we are, we have, some type of selfishness not to say that we're all just selfish people but we do have this bias 
and you prioritize your view and your experience of the world. And it's very hard for most people to conceptualize that others have something vastly different than your own experience. Exactly. And so it is really important for someone to have that non-biased person. Mm -hmm. It's really important and to have that, that therapeutic space. Um, And like, I, I think everyone should be in therapy. I think everyone should have that space. Whether you have a mental health issue or not, you should like, I, I used to have people like, I mean, I don't see very many people anymore because I mostly, I do the podcast. I do a lot of activism. I am a CEO. I I teach people through supervision. I have a lot of supervisees, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love teaching as interns and such, but um, I used to have people who would just come in and, and they would just talk about their day and process their experience because to be quite honest, like, um, you know, when you talk about your stuff with your friends all the time, friends can get burned out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes like, and friends can put in their own two cents and it can be annoying. And it's nice to have someone who doesn't get annoyed with you yeah. and doesn't put in their own two cents all the time and can just listen. And yeah. it's there just for you. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think everybody needs a safe space like that, that is for you to focus on you and your needs. That's my therapy plug. I didn't mean to do a therapy plug. Everyone, no. you should go to therapy. I, I, my mother and <laughs> it, my mother was through, until she retired a therapist and my stepfather was a psychiatrist. So yes, I've, I've grown up in the family. You're a great listener. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna grown- call you up and I'm gonna talk to you about my problems. There you go. <laughs> and, and you're like, don't. No, but my favorite Please thing don't. is you know, you've heard the cobbler's children have new shoes. Well, the, the children of mental health professionals have no appropriate boundaries. Uh it takes a long time for us to get those in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little concerned about my daughter. Um, <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's see how she turns out. <laughs> oh, growing up, my sister and I would go, mom, stop using the therapist voice on us. Cause we could tell when she clicked over to therapy mode and we get really annoyed. Mom, come on. Yeah. I wonder when, when my daughter will start saying that, but my, my daughter will do this whole, I'm okay, mom. <laughs> so I've got a lot. I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I love you. I love you, mom. With the eye roll, got to get the yeah, eye roll. Yeah, with the eye roll, she does it a lot. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> like, I'm okay, mom. Okay, mom. And like, sometimes she just comes over and gives me a hug and like lots of hugs and kisses. And she's like, I'm done now. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my god! So she's already starting to do. Starting to do that. In our own communities, we have issues. So you're bi, I'm bi. We've had a ton of bi folks on this show. What has been your experience being bi in the queer community? Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) I've had lesbians tell me that bi doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen a lot. That I've had lesbians tell me bi doesn't exist, that I need to choose. That... Obviously, I'm straight now because I'm married to a man. And then I've been like, that's interesting because I think about women a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I didn't change my sexuality because I got married. No, I mean, like, I, I was like, I just happened to pick this, this person. Mm-hmm. I was like, and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, and I'll, sometimes I'll make a scene. Like, I'll, I'll even be like, well, that's interesting because I think you're hot. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes I can't help but make a scene. Like I, I really don't like when people when people react that way to me. I, I, I can't help but you know react. Like I, I don't like it when people do that. Like I'm an activist, so mm-hmm. I will activate. <laughs> I will activate. Exactly what will happen. Um, but you know, cause it's not, it's not true. None right. of that is true. And, um, let me see what else I've, I've gone on to, <laughs> I've gone on to like, like, um, was it the, the Bumble friends mm-hmm. and to make friends. And it says that, that I'm by uh-huh. and, and people will try to pick me up mm-hmm. and I'm like, 
why well it says you're bi so obviously you're you're slutty <laughs> you're slutty yeah <sighs> no i'm not slutty well obviously like what why else are you on here to make friends mm-hmm <laughs> um i've gone to like meet people that i thought was like a friend they thought it was a date because obviously i'm bi right so i'm assumed to be a slut a lot a lot actually i'm assumed to be slutty a lot like that's or poly that's Mm -hmm. another thing i'm assuming poly a lot that that happens a lot i I, those stigmas like fighting is the bi stigma quite a bit i actually have someone coming on um in pride month who is a huge bi bisexual activist and mm-hmm. um so that's one of the stigmas of fight not the only one but i do fight against bi stigma quite a bit um that's one of the biggest ones in the community not the only one um tr- transgender stigma is another one yep. um you know we i feel like we have a lot in common and yeah and and there's also a lot of people who are transgender who are also bi but it's it's a huge there's there there's a lot of bi stigmas out there and it's it's in the community i sometimes I it's more from the the queer the community, community than, the than i do outside of the community because like yep. sometimes i'll say outside of the community they're like okay like i get it but the community is horrible mm-hmm. absolutely terrible and and it's for you know all genders who are bi not just mm-hmm. not just people who are who identify as femme and bi. And I, I feel kind of betrayed to be quite honest. I have this like feeling of betrayal from the community that, that this happens, that I don't have the support because, you know, being bi is very, very difficult. It is not easy to feel this way in my brain because my brain I feel like there is not just one part of me and I don't think I'm the only one who feels this way. Um, that there isn't just, I always define it as like, I have, I, I, I don't like my sexuality is like not in one piece. And I don't think, I, I don't think I'm the only one who feels this way. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm split in a lot of ways, not my personality, but my sexual, my sexual orientation. Like I'm attracted to these people. And yes, I can, I can choose to be with someone, but it doesn't stop that. And yes, people who are het, they can, they can be attracted to someone else and they can be, but they're with that, that sexual orientation. It is very difficult to me to be with a man and love him, but still be attracted to someone completely different because I don't get to be with those people and I'm still attracted. So, so it's kind of how do I explain it? And maybe you can explain this, but it's like, I still have those needs. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, a, when you're sorry, in a relationship with a woman, it's very different than a man. Like mm-hmm. they, you, there's still that love and that attraction and that physicalness, but they're, they're fundamentally different. They're fundamentally different. So I have, I still have those needs that I would have for a woman, mm-hmm. both intimately and sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I'm with a man and I love him. Mm-hmm. But I, again, that part of me, it's split. Mm-hmm. So I, and maybe that's why a lot of people are poly and, and, and I'm not poly, but I think that there, there it's hard. It's, it's a very hard thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say that that is a very hard thing. And I, and I explained that to my husband and he doesn't actually get it. You know, he, do, he doesn't translate it to anybody who's not by. Who's not by like, it's not as simple as I'm just choosing this person and I love him and he fulfills everything in me and, and it's not true. And I feel bad that I can't actually tell him he fulfills everything for me. He really doesn't. I'm like, I'm making a uh, face. <laughs> People can't see that on me. But it's just, it's, that's true, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe someday I'll, I'll join the poly community. Like I always say, who knows, maybe I will, but you know, like I'm, I'm open to it right now. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the thing is, is that 
is that it is a difficult thing being bi. So being in the community, going back to that, and having the community not recognize that that I have struggles too in that and that I I am part of the queer community and that I am part of the like, you know, the the sexual like se- was it sexual orientation minority. Mm-hmm. I feel betrayed. Like I'm queer too and y'all suck. Like I just want to say that like that sucks. Like it's not everyone, but you know what? Like do some research. <laughs> do some reading. Open your mind. Like <laughs> So what I found from talking to so many bi folks, especially bi women who happen to be with men as partners, is that we are so overcommitted to being activists for our community. Be, and part of that is just proving that we're part of the fucking community and they're still yeah, like, no, nah, you're not doing it. enough. You're no, not, part you're of not this. doing enough. Yeah. And, and it is a lot. And I, and I think that's the thing is like, you know, and, and of course I don't just focus on that, but I can't help, but actually mm-hmm. do something about it because it's like, it's not just me. It's you. There's a lot of people. I can't mm-hmm. help, but actually help the, the bi community, mm-hmm. like my poor bi community. There's a mini. And in so many people, so many people are impacted and, and it's, it's a really, it's a really sad thing that happens. And yes, it is outside the the queer community too, but it's very sad that so many people are impacted and we do need support. We do need the support. Like we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be put in the corner. I feel like we're put in the corner with the outsiders. Yeah. And I find with the with the heterosexual community, the one thing I run in all the time is, oh, then you must want a three-way. Oh, we're unicorns. Yes. Like, I always make fun of the fact that we're unicorns. <laughs> but I yeah. do. I always make fun of the fact that we're unicorns. But I always joke, like, you know how there's, like, there's different animals and different mm-hmm. animals have different meanings. So, like, it's okay. I'm a unicorn. At least I have, like, the best animal. Exactly. Exactly. Because we have the prettiest, best, most magical. We have magical animal. We do. We do. It's a magical animal. But it's true. That's the thing. That is the one stigma that happens. Sorry, I had to take a cough drop. So oh, go for it. Noise. I was like, at one point, I kind of just I had to give in. The the thing about the the heterosexual community is they do they will assume that we want this. <laughs> we want to do it or we're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've all done it. We're more likely to give into it. I sure. A, we'll have sex with you and your wife. Yeah. I had the, the comedian Shahara Hyatt on the show and she's by, and she has a, a long running joke that, you know, she gets ha- asked, you know, to have three ways with a lot of people. Well, at least with ugly heterosexuals who want a three way, like those are always <laughs> the ones, the people she's least likely to have a three way with. That's who ask, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's I had it happen when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I didn't really realize what they were. At. So I became friends with this couple, mm-hmm. didn't really realize, and they were already open. I thought they were just open, you know, non-monogamous, yeah. and, and I was on monogamous at the time, but didn't really realize that they were, what they were asking. I thought they were just hanging out, and, you know, I had, I was 18, I was in college, I got high with them, and I didn't really realize what they were doing. And then like, so one kissed me and like the, the woman kissed me and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yep. no, 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 no. Thank you. Yeah. We roll this no, back. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. And they were like, but, but I think it's a good idea. I don't. Right. And all three of us have to be on board if this is going to work. That's yeah, how and, consent um, works. Maybe, maybe I should have like, I don't know talk to me about it yes like instead of just like you know inviting me over and said we were going to hang out I was like okay when you invite someone over and say you're going to hang out just like and I haven't even come out to them but apparently they picked up you know yeah picked up on something which is you know whatever Mm -hmm. you know it happens Mm -hmm. but seriously like 
just because you come over and you have to be queer too does not mean something sexually is going to happen, okay? That that is not what that means. No, no. You can have queer friends and not have sex with them. I mean, I do know that there is a lot of like, I'll say hanky pinky. There's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of sex that occurs between friends in the queer community. I know this. We all know this, but it doesn't have to. Okay. Right. And if you want to have sex with people who are friends, we do, you should be talking about it and not just be like, Oh, I thought this is what we were going to do. Yeah. You can't assume you've got to communicate and you got to get consent. Like, yeah. 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 So this had happened. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, uh-uh. no, thank mm. you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Computer says no. <laughs> the joys of being by. It's amazing. You can double your dating pool and and then really restrict who will actually date you. Like all of a sudden, when gender is not an not an issue, all of a sudden the number of people who actually want to date within either gender is much smaller. Yeah. No. It's yeah. ridiculous. So, if people want to find your podcast, if they want to hire you as a therapist, if they want to find your uh, all all that, I'll get all it. All that, go for it. Okay, so podcast is Hello Wonderful Podcast. You can find it on any platform, Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, pretty much everywhere under Hello Wonderful Podcast. You can um, also find it as well as information about it at hellowonderfulpodcast.com on the website. Um, You can also message me there. You can ask questions. I might um, put that information on the podcast on the episode as well so that might be something you might want if you actually want to be on the show if you're interested in being on the show you can message me about it on the website as well or email me um you could email me questions as well the email is hello wonderful podcast at gmail.com i had to think about that <laughs> at a moment <laughs> at a moment <laughs> Um, if you um, are interested in doing therapy with my practice, you can actually, let me see, go to the website for the practice at chicagopsychtherapy.com or gulfcoastpsychtherapy.com. And that's psych, P-S-Y-C-H. And I think I did it. I think that's it. Thank you for being on the show. We'll make sure all of those links are up on our uh, show notes for people who are are looking for either Terry's uh, clinical work or her podcast work. And thank you for joining us for Fat Chicks on Top. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. This is Ask Your Auntie, and today's question comes in from several readers, which is, Dear Auntie, I need help finding good pride swag. So I have a couple of people I for go-to recommendations, wickedgrounds.com, geekyandkinky.com, which has darling t-shirts and pins, and Dr. Liz Powell, who has a whole new line of merch. There's another extended list of LGBTQ producers with great swag on loveletterstoaunicorn.com and the first post of resources. And now, a moment of gratitude. Every time I think about this, I, I say my daughter a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for my daughter. She's a little six-year-old chaos demon. <laughs> no, but I love her so much. Six is such her. a good age. Yes, she's wonderful. She is. She's six. She turns seven in July. Um, she's so smart and she's so creative. And she'll even correct me on my pronouns. She's so good. She's um she's so smart and she's she's so knowledgeable about the world and I love her and you know I I'm just so grateful for her. I'm so so grateful for her. But yeah, my daughter.
Hi, this is Antibias from Fat Chicks on Top. I want to take a minute and talk about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles on the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire internet has become listenable all in one place. This is great for accessibility needs as well as people who would rather listen than scroll. Explore trending podcasts from 50 countries. Our podcast, Fat Chicks on Top, is there too. You can download Newsly for free from www.newsly.me and use the promo code FC0T. One month free premium subscription. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.